welcome to State of the Nation Episode 9. David and I are super excited about the State of the Nation today. We're going to talk about what's happening, like we usually do, related to big picture stuff, drop some insights and action items. And right after we talk about our sponsors, I'm going to mention a few other updates today, as well as the schedule. But David, why don't we start with our sponsors? You want to, you want to kick it off? Yeah, yeah. So I was playing with one of our sponsors' games uh, last Friday and a little bit this weekend, Gods Unchained. For those of you that played Magic the Gathering, for those of you that played Hearthstone, Yu-Gi-Oh!, this is a game just like that. But instead, the cards that you own in the game are ERC-721 tokens on Ethereum. And so the, the big problem with Magic the Gathering was that it was physical, so you had to be across from a person with other physical cards to play them. So that kind of sucked. And then there's Hearthstone that came around, so you could play over their computer, but then you never owned your actual cards because Blizzard just owned them on a centralized database. What, Heart, what Gods Unchained does is they have the best of both worlds, right? Where you own your cards because they're digital assets on Ethereum, but you can play on the online medium that the world is now turning to. So it's a really fantastic game uh, and with a really fantastic dev team that is kind of leading the charge with, with when, it, uh, when it comes to ERC-721 standards and also gas on Ethereum. Uh, check them out at godsunchained.com. Download the, the game. You can start without having to buy any tokens and without having to buy any cards. Uh, they give you the, the basic starter pack that you need to get started. It's, it's a really elegant UI, really elegant uh, whole experience. Uh, and it's just a ton of fun. I, I played, it, played it all weekend. Absolutely. All right. So the second sponsor we want to tell, tell you about is Ave. Ave is a long ter- uh, time favorite of the bankless community. So it is a lending and borrowing protocol at its core. So it's all DeFi. It's all bankless. What you can do is deposit an asset into Ave. You do that by going to Ave.com. So an asset could be any ERC-20 token, like a DAI, for instance, or an ETH. And what it will do is it will provide you a yield on top of that. So you're effectively lending your assets to the protocol. That's one side of the market. The other side of the market is where you actually borrow against the protocol. And the unique thing about Aave is they don't just offer variable rate loans, they offer fixed rate loans. So with most DeFi protocol lendings, uh, what happens is the interest rate could change on a day-to-day basis. Uh, with Ave, you can sort of lock in that interest if you're if you're um, borrowing something from the account. So um, they are just crushing it in terms of uh, popping up the DeFi leaderboard in terms of total value locked. So um, there's a lot more going on inside of that protocol. Also, they released Avanomics which is super exciting. That is some token economics to their protocol. One of the big things, there's lots to highlight about it, but one of the big things is they're actually going to be putting a percentage of, um, of tokens, of, of reserve assets into sort of a, an insurance type of, um, of protocol. So if something happens to Ave in the future, that can be paid out. So that's going to be included in Avanomics. We will include some links where you can check out Avanomics and you can check out Ave. But if you're looking to get started and just try a small amount today, you can do that at Aave.com, A-A-V-E.com. Check the show notes. David, what are we doing today, Sarah? <laughs> you know, I didn't ask you how you're doing, but how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. We've had, we yeah. just uh, released a uh, just killer episode with Andre Cronier, who was a, the creator of the YEARN and the Yiffy protocol token. That just went out on the podcast stream on Monday. If you haven't listened to that, give that a listen. Uh, there was there was some FUD going around from this Decrypt article about how Andre is close to quitting. Uh, and then Andre also also came out on Twitter saying that that article was not accurate. Uh, and so I feel like people uh, really turned to, to listen to this episode to really get a glimpse as to what the hell that, that Decrypt FUD article was even talking about because it wasn't entirely wrong. Andre did say that he was like fed up and really tired um, um, with what he's been building, but he did not at all allude to how he is bailing or so uh, for more details, listen to the podcast. Absolutely. It's a fantastic podcast. One of our most downloaded, actually, Already, first days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just crushing it and super interesting. It was called Dense, I think, on Twitter. Mm. Um, so, so take a look at it. Maybe listen to it a couple of times if you need to. The other thing is Bank- Bankless Nation is growing like crazy. So mm-hmm. we hit a really cool milestone yesterday, which is um, 10,000 subscribers to the newsletter where it all started. So we just want to thank everyone for 
um, hanging with us and, and being a part of this, this community. Um, it's just been really rewarding to see. And Bankless is not even a year old. Right. And we are population 10K right now. 10K, yeah. It's a, it's a big city. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're growing. We want to grow this into a metropolis and then eventually a, a, a full-size Bankless nation, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, David, we should talk yeah. about the Eatscape shirts as well. So what's the latest on those? We introduced those last State of the Nation. Yeah, yeah. So that ETH, the Eatscape shirt, it's the it's the rare rare apparel uh, platform that we're kind of building out. And it's the first one, uh, season zero, we're calling it. This is going to be a regular rolling out seasons of new, awesome, scarce merch. And the way, what we did was we made 50 shirts and we also made 50 tokens. And if you want the shirt, you buy the token from Uniswap and you burn it and then you get the shirt sent to you. And so somebody's already redeemed one, so their shirt is in the mail on on the way. Looking forward to to hopefully uh, getting it, seeing a tweet come out on Twitter from some guy wearing uh, the Eatscape shirt. Uh, And so we had this set up into two phases, right? So we had like this initial phase where the the, the buying demand on Uniswap would uh, would suck up some of the tokens, and then we would start to uh, release the tokens as well. So like the, what we did is we supplied all tokens to Uniswap, every single one, you know, ETH, one ETH per token. Uh, and then the purchasing power would increase the price of the token. And then we would, in, uh, we, the plan was to withdraw liquidity and sell as the price uh, went up to keep that price dampened and, and, and shallow until we ran out of tokens. And so the first phase of that happened. And then we realized that with Uniswap as a distribution method, it kind of runs up against a wall in that second phase, right? And so the price the price got too high, and we couldn't sell them because people weren't pushing that. weren't um, there wasn't enough supply, and also and the demand wouldn't reach that certain threshold, and so there wasn't really a good way to like offload these. And so we're working with the balancer team to try out this new mechanism that they that they've always discussed and all, always like kind of promoted as a, a potential use case of a balancer pool. And it's basically a Dutch auction. Um, and so what we're going to do is, as, as we build out the system with Balancer, we're not ready to do that yet. We're just kind of talking about our plans. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to withdraw the remaining liquidity from Uniswap and then put it all into a Balancer pool. And so there's going to be like the remaining tokens that we have. It's going to be like 40, 38 tokens, something in that ballpark. And we're going to supply them all, all of them into Balancer with um, a very low supply of, of either DAI or Ether or something. And then these, these supplies cross over time. And the, the price of the tokens will tick downwards at a rate over time and time and time. And so uh, when at, prices will go down, and then there will be only so many shirts, only so many tokens that you can purchase. And as you purchase them, the supply runs out as the price lowers. And so the price will get closer to zero over time. But before it gets to zero, it's likely that all the shirts will have been purchased because people will buy them for more than zero dollars. And so at some point between where we initially set the parameters at, we're going to set it really high, something like $3,000 a shirt. And then it's going to trend towards zero dollars a shirt over time. And somewhere between those two ends, all the shirts will be bought. And it kind of does work like Uniswap. Like when you purchase a shirt, the price goes up, but the price will go up and then continue to tick back down over time until either all tokens are sold or uh, the price is zero. Uh, and so this is just a much better way to distribute these things. Um, Uniswap isn't really a distribution mechanism. This, this Dutch auction from the balancer system, uh, I think is gonna distribute these things because we don't, we don't want these tokens. Like we want you guys to have these tokens. And so this is a way for, for us to get, um, to get the tokens out into the ecosystem so that people can actually redeem these shirts. I don't want to just sit on a box of, of really awesome shirts for, for, for months on end. Um, so that's the update with that. Absolutely. That's going to be super cool. I mean, so the, the summary is basically um, phase one was successful. The, the market found a price for these shirts mm-hmm. on Uniswap. It's still active. Now, mm-hmm. phase two, we've sort of changed plans to move mm-hmm. phase two to a, a Dutch auction type model where all of the liquidity um, is, is essentially off of our books and into uh, into the market. Um, mm-hmm. I think that'll be great. Very exciting. We don't have an ETA on that though, right. uh, but keep stay tuned here uh, for that and, uh, and you'll be first to know. Yeah, there, there's a reason why we label this season zero, not season one. We're, we're, yeah. still, we're, we're still trying this thing out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the market is definitely having fun with uh, figuring out what the price mm-hmm. of these Eatscape shirts are. Yeah. I mean, they've, uh, 
they've moved quite high and now they're mm-hmm. sort of back to mid um, to your last I looked, it was like, you know, $700 or yeah. something for it. All, all the way up to $1,800. And then, and then people started to, well, that's, that's a lot. A lot yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> I, I love the shirts. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd do $1,800 for yeah. one shirt. Of course. Um, all right. So um, what else are we doing? So this state of the nation is going to be a little bit different um, this week. So we're actually going to release this in two episodes. There's going to be a part one, which you are listening to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've recorded a little bit. Yeah. First, we're going to stitch these videos together and then there's going to be a part two. The part two is actually going to be on each supply with Vitalik. We think that that deserves its own dedicated episode. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to get this episode out to you today because we've got some super interesting time-sensitive topics, one in particular that we're talking about, um, a little something called GAM, which (laughs) has kind of hit the the bankless community. So that's what we're going to start with today, and that's how it's going to be divided. So expect two State of the Nation episodes this week. It's a bonus Mm -hmm. week. This is just part one. Stay tuned for part two. I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday, sometime this week, we will release part two with Vitalik, where we are actually talking about the ETH supply gate, as you call it, right, David? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what that's what Bitcoiners call it. That's what, that's what, that's what's going around in their circles. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me ask the question. I guess we're going to do this question twice. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Maybe maybe there's just one state of the nation. But David, what is the state of the nation this week, sir? What's the what are we using? The state of the nation is propagating. Oh, it's such, it's such <laughs> okay. a perfect word. So, Bankless just hit 10k. Bankless Nation, yeah. 10k large, fantastic. Uh, there's people flooding into the discord. If you guys aren't in the discord, join it. It's where a lot of the awesome conversation happens. Um, meanwhile, in DeFi, there's this new thing called yam, which is the yam farming revolution. It's a new, a new cycle of the season. So that, that has now propagated, uh, the DeFi ecosystem, like the units, the first, first users of Uniswap, that number has gone through the roof. So user Uniswap users are propagating, uh, the texts about DeFi continue to flow in. Everything is propagating. Everything is propagating. Yep. And we are recording this intro um, actually post YAM launch. Mm-hmm. And we recorded the YAM section of this uh, pre YAM launch. So it's just like an hour, an hour and a half before mm-hmm. the, the launch of YAM. It has launched and um, you can you know find out more about it in real time. Uh, all right, David, we should get right to it then, sir. Right. Uh, let's, first, before we talk about yams, we got to get into our uh, second round of the sponsors, and then it'll be clear skies after that. Awesome. All right, David, let's take a minute to talk about two more of our fantastic sponsors. The first is Polymarket. Polymarket is a prediction market with a very simple and understandable user experience. You can use it to express an opinion as to the likelihood of future events. We've written a tactic about this. We will include it in the show notes. It is fantastic to use. You can you can uh, bet on future events using ETH. You can bet on it using DAI. Uh, it's very much like a wisdom of the crowd sort of phenomenon. So you can go there not to gamble, but also to gain a glimpse into what the market's actually predicting about things. Things like uh, the total locked value in DeFi. Things like coronavirus metrics. Things like the, the US uh, government and election outcomes, all sorts of things. Go to poly.market and check out the markets that are available. You can tweet about it and tag poly.market when you do. And if you do that, uh, you can email hello at poly.market with bankless as the subject line, and they will cover all of your gas fees. So make sure if you're using poly.market, email hello at poly.market with Bankless in the subject line, they will cover your gas fees, which are not uh, insubstantial at this point in time. So check it out, check the show notes out and get into the prediction market landscape. All right, our second sponsor is Ampleforth. Ampleforth is a pretty interesting experiment going on in Ethereum right now. Ampleforth is a base money asset, right? So it's, an, it's trying to be an M0 and it has this clever little mechanism built into it. So it tracks 2019 dollars, and but it's not a stable coin. And so it has this very interesting mechanism where as the price of Ampleforth goes up and down, it will rebase. And so if the price is above a dollar, it will rebase by minting everyone new Amples to bring that price down. And if it's below a dollar, it will do the opposite and it'll burn Amples from people's wallets to bring that price back up. 
right? And so it has similar values to Bitcoin in that it's non-dilutive. And so if you own 1% of Ampleforth tokens, you will always own 1% of all Ampleforth tokens, no matter how many there are, no matter how many, no matter what the rebases do. And it's meant to be uh, a, a non-correlative asset to crypto, right? It's supposed to be collateral for DeFi that doesn't act like the, the rest of the collateral for DeFi. So you can check them out at ampleforth.org. You can take part in the Ampleforth liquidity mining by going to geyser.ampleforth.org and submitting Ample and ETH to the Uniswap pool to get a little bit of extra rewards. Speaking of Ampleforth and this crazy rebase mechanism that drives this thing, uh, we are going to talk about something brand new to the, to the crypto space as of today. And I'm going to share my screen here. And it's called Yams. Uh, me wait, 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 wait. Yams. So like yams as in like the vegetable yam? Yams as in the vegetable, apparently. Okay. Uh, and apparently however, there's an emoji for, for yams. I didn't realize that. I did not know. I knew there was, there was a zucchini. Yeah. <laughs> but we have a, an emoji for yams. Yeah, so Yam is this thing. It got released today. Actually, this this post went out 10 a.m. Uh, August 11th, which for me that was an hour and 10 minutes ago. Uh, and so some people have been teasing this a little bit uh, a little bit earlier, which is why we know to cover it. But I, I've just been reading it and I want to share it now. I'm calling it Yample because it's very much <laughs> ample forth, but it's it's a, an experiment in fair farming, governance, and elasticity. And so. Take Ample and take the Wi-Fi, the Yiffy, the Yearn distribution mechanism and combine them together. And that's more or less what you get with Yam. Right? All right, hold on for a second. So you said take Ample. Mm -hmm. I, I hope people were paying attention when you were talking about uh, Ampleforth as, a, as kind of a, a sponsor mm -hmm. for Bankless. And you had this great Meet the Nation where you actually interviewed one of the co-founders of Ample and went in depth on what mm -hmm. Ample is. But should we maybe start, David, with a recap of what Ample actually is? Yeah, in case so, people missed what you just said in the sponsorship slot. The sponsor, the sponsor yeah. slot, yeah. yeah. So, so Ampleforth goes up and down in price as all tokens do, right? Because when there is a specific number of units out there for a given period, that unit doesn't go, um, is it, there isn't any more or less of that, that unit for that one time period. So like Bitcoin or like other assets, the price fluctuates. The only thing that Ampleforth does differently is that it tracks using an Oracle. It tracks the price of the Ampleforth token on secondary markets like Uniswap. And then it rebases, which means it adds more to the supply or removes from the supply an appropriate amount to keep that price roughly targeting dollars. So it's not, it's not a stable coin. It's just as volatile as Bitcoin, but the unit of account stay, like tracks a dollar over time. And so the YAM token does that too, but it also does some other things as well, right? And so- Okay, that's what, go ahead. real quick though, why is that useful, David? So obviously um, it's really exciting when like we have tokens that are um, scarce supply because it mm -hmm. creates sort of a, a scarcity game. I don't always call this, people hate the word Ponzi, right? But so like there's Ponzi schemes that are ripping you off and then there's transparent Ponzi's, which are like games. And I would say Bitcoin is like a transparent Ponzi game. Everyone's, Bitcoiners in their hearts would admit this too. Everyone is trying to collect um, their portion of the 21 million Bitcoins. That's the game, right? So this is like a game. It's a scarcity game. But the difference, one difference at least, it doesn't have Bitcoin's longevity, doesn't have all sorts of things, doesn't have its own blockchain. It's all based on Ethereum. But one of the key differences as well is this, it's trying to uh, rebase itself as close as possible to a dollar every day. Why is that even useful? Yeah, so the, the jury is kind of actually still out on why this is useful. My answer for this is that it acts as trustless uh, collateral for DeFi that you are going to be comfortable paying back in the future, like no matter what, right? So like the market cap of Ampleforth could go from something really, really small to really, really big. But if you owe 10 Ampleforth tokens and 10 Amples, like you're only going to be paying back $10 plus or minus a couple of percentage fluctuation. You're going, it doesn't matter what the, the market cap of the network did. You always will pay back roughly the same purchasing power in order to pay back your debts. And right. so it's a trustless way to denominate debts over the long term. Uh, and so this really differentiates itself from DAI or a stable coin, especially USDC, because it's relatively trusted. And then DAI, as people criticize DAI more and more and more for onboarding centralized assets, Ampleforth gets more and more relevant because it's, there's no, DAI isn't an M0. DAI is an M1, which means it's created by 
uh, collateral. Ampleforth is itself collateral. That's the main yeah. Right, exactly. And some people would say it's, uh, it's not a good M- M0 at all. And I would totally agree. What makes an M0 good is, is basically liquidity. The most saleable asset is what makes an M0 good. Um, but there is something to what you said, I think. Again, this is a, a, a totally an experiment. But when people define, even economists define um, what money is, they usually look at three attributes. But there's actually four attributes. So they always talk about store of value, medium of exchange, and unit of account. But other economists add a fourth, and that's unit of deferred settlement. Unit of deferred settlement. So that's like unit of account, but unit of account specific to loans, right? And the reason the US dollar reigns supreme, basically, as the world's reserve currency, is because most debt, most loans are denominated in US dollars. So this fourth attribute, unit of deferred settlement, is actually pretty important. That's the experiment it seems like uh, Ampleforth is iterating on. But a lot of people, David, don't like Ampleforth. And I think when you boil it all down, it kind of is because of one thing. It's not that they don't appreciate, like understand the mechanism of it. Um, I think at least the the smart folks that I've talked to, it's that they don't like the initial distribution of Ampleforth. A large portion of amps were distributed to investors to kind of fund the team, fund the original idea, right? And that's the aspect that um, folks don't like. It's not as organic. VCs are actually involved. The team has bags, quote unquote. Um, And a lot of people, when when you boil it all all down, seem to be up in arms about that specific aspect of it. Would you agree? Yeah, they're they're just distrustful of people's whose incentive is to like shield their bag. And Ampleforth is kind of caught in this rock in the hard place where the project is about the token, where like things like Aave or Compound or Maker, it's, they're not centered around the token. They're centered around a product or service, whereas Ampleforth exactly. is centered around this token, which kind of puts the team in this hard, difficult spot of like, yeah, we're trying to grow our product and service and our product and service is this token. And yeah. So that, that's difficult. And so- Yeah, uh, so I, I know I derailed you, David, but I wanted to get that out there. Uh, so tell us what context. yams are. Yeah. Good con- no, it's good context. Yeah. So, so yams are something similar and also something completely different, right? So- uh, you can kind of think this as a competitor to Ample Forth, but you would also be missing uh, a very large component of what makes YAMS work. And also, um, Ample Forth strictly has in its values that it's a trustless government governance-minimized system. And, AMP- and YAMS are not that. They are uh, welcoming governance, uh, and, um, and that, that's a key, very key differentiator because trustless M0s need to be without governance. And this has uh, something else, this has a governance function and something else as well that Ampleforth doesn't have. But first of all, the thing they did first is, as I understand it, and again, we're just like kind of learning about this now Mm because it's it's totally fresh. The first thing they did was they forked Ampleforth. Right. So this is a fork of Ampleforth. Uh, Is it not? Maybe fork is the wrong... Forking means that you're taking that code and then you're changing it and then you're redeploying it. What they're really doing is they're taking the code of Ampleforth and they're taking the code of Compound's governance mechanism and they're taking the, the not the code, but like the pattern of YFI, YIFI distribution and they're combining that all into one thing, right? And so it's, it's taking a bunch of different features and combining it into this one project. So they're is- not forking the code per se. They're more like folk- forking the meme, right? Yes. They're more f- f- forking the issuance policy and the entire idea here, right? Right. Yes. We're, we're forking ideas more than we are code. Um, Interesting. Ample, am, the Ampleforth code might be an actual fork. But um, again, if you compare this to Ampleforth, you're missing, you're missing out on what this really is. Okay. So the YAM token, very much like Ampleforth, tracks a dollar, right? So that, that's the same. That's, that's very, very much the same. There's a governable treasury for, for promoting the YAM system, right? And that's very, very different. There's a treasury of funds that aren't denominated in YAMs that is governed by the YAM token holders, very much like YFI, very much like Yiffy. Uh, and, and then also there's this de- distribution mechanism that incentivizes community members and, and to, to take control over YAMs and have this fair launch, right? Okay. The, the key difference here is that, I'm going to scroll down real quick. Um, the key difference here is that when a rebase happens for YAM, just like a you know, rebase happens in Ampleforth, tokens are minted 
uh, and added to the total supply uh, that's shared throughout everyone, right? So if, ten, if you own a thousand yams and then they mint 10, the, the rebase mechanism mints 10% more, you will have a thousand one hundred yams. The only, that, uh, the only difference is that when a rebase happens, 10% of the newly issued yams goes to purchasing the Y curve token. And the Y curve token, for you those that don't know, is like a very high yielding stablecoin asset, right? So it's, it's the Y curve is um, the Y die, Y tether, Y USDC, Y BUSD, all the all the Y stablecoins, which are stablecoins submitted to liquidity in the Curve protocol. When you combine all those together, they create the Y curve token. So it's so. You'll, y curve is like a, a super stable. It's like a meta stable coin, right? Meta, y curve meta, itself. Meta stable coin. Meta meta. Okay, so Y curve, the token itself, is like a stable coin that mm-hmm. a, a portion is Dai, a portion is uh, BUSD, a portion mm-hmm. is USDC, all the other popular stable coins on Ethereum. And I, does Y curve as well uh, entitle um, you to curves transaction fees? Yes, and so so okay. Y Dai receives. Uh, this is really stretching my capacity of understanding this, these systems. <laughs> I die receives yield from people using Curve and Die, right? right? And so does Y Tether. So does Y USDC. And then when you combine all of those together, you get Y CRV, right? Okay. Y but it's it's going to track the dollar. It's just like a super meta stable coin that's kind of almost With diversified that. its risk across multiple you know stable coins, but right. also adds the risk of of Curve. Right, exactly. And but then and then there's also yield, right? And so it's purchasing. So when 10% of the rebase for yams happens, 10% mm-hmm. goes to purchasing Y curve and adds that to the treasury. So what's mm-hmm. happening is a little bit of um, money printer, a uh, money printers going on, where they're yeah. printing money to purchase other money to add it to the treasury, which the yam token governs over, right? Okay, and so that's kind of the big value prop of yam is that over time, uh, the treasury of YAM gets larger because yeah. of the rebase. And the rebase, right? So this is how Ampleforth basically works the same, a similar way is there's a, there's a rebase. So what will happen is when lots of people are bullish on Amples, mm-hmm. just in general, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, um, then Amples float above a dollar. So right. they'll start trading at $2 or they'll start trading at $3. I've even seen it close mm-hmm. to $4 trading. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is more supply is printed mm-hmm. essentially during that rebase mm-hmm. to, in an attempt algorithmically to drop the price of amples right. closer to $1. So that's how it's pegging. And this works the same way, except right. that a portion of that rebase on the upside. So say yams were trading at $3, for instance, mm-hmm. 10% of the rebase amount would be taken and parked into a uh, the you know a governance mm-hmm. fund a treasury of a some treasury. sort okay Protocol treasury yeah mm-hmm. and that that treasury would essentially be sort of the almost like the the base utility value that's backing all of the yams in existence is that right 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 so cool. kind of it kind of turns the y curve as like the deposits of the system and then the yam as the credit of the system. And you can buy the yams on the secondary market as credits to access the deposits of the Y curve, right? Um, And so now we have to get into the distribution, right? So there's eight different pools of yams that will uh, send out yam tokens to those that supply the tokens to them. And so let's go, we can go to the yam website, right? And so this is what you'll see when you go to the, the yam website. You, depending on what tribe you consider yourself, or if you're like a, a Link Marine, if you're if you're a Spartan, if you're a Maker, whatever. I, I like how they turned every single one of these is an emoji of sorts. Um, and so you can de- take your asset of choice and deposit it, and that deposits it deposits it into the uh, into the quote unquote farm for that particular yam. And this okay. is just a distribution mechanism. Your assets aren't doing anything in here. They're just being there. No one is, no one's on the other side of this. This is just proof of locked up capital so that you can receive the YAM token, right? Just, it's not at risk, except for the fact that it's out of your wallet. It's not at risk it. because it's not being borrowed against, not, nothing's happening. You're just locking up capital, right? And to, to be clear, David, none of the YAM initial supply was uh, awarded to a team pre-mined mm-hmm venture capital funded, none of it, right? 
Well, yeah, let's go to the Etherscan page and we can see where all the YAM tokens are, right? And okay. so in, with the holders, there are eight addresses, each holding a quarter million YAM tokens. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, pools for depositing assets to get uh, the YAM token. So we can assume that these eight pools, each with a little bit over 7% of the supply, uh, correlates to one of these pools that we see on the YAM website. By the way, this goes live in 30 minutes uh, from the time of recording. So by the time the viewers are watching this, this is, uh, this is already live. Just live for the first day, right? Yeah. And then, so, but this says 3.5 million and there's, I yeah. thought there was 5 million. Yeah, so on this, uh, on the uh, medium page, which, which is like the announcement, it says um, there's 2 million distributed, 250,000 yam per pool over seven days launching in 30 minutes. Uh, but there is a total supply of 5 million. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know where those are. I don't know. Uh, th well, this. is that a pre-mine? I don't know. Somebody getting the 2 million. I don't know. We I don't should know. find that out. Yeah, we but, they're, that but they actually don't. According to Etherscan, they don't exist. So um, are they deciding to award those later? I That's don't interesting. Know. So, so here's, one, here's one thing that is happening. Um, in, in another pool, I think somebody has, there must be a multi-sig that controls the yam printing, yam minting. But mm -hmm. it sounds like in, after this phase is done, there's going to be a second phase where 3 million more yam get distributed through the yam Y-curve Uniswap uh, V2 uh, liquidity, right? So yam is supposed to track a dollar. And so it's going to be paired against Y-curve to give yam the liquidity this is like this is like the ampleforth geyser program yeah this is the, i got it yeah so that you're gonna there's gonna be liquidity incentives for depositing y curve and yam tokens into uniswap so it feels like phase one is they're trying to seed some distribution almost in a yfi type way because exactly. people are familiar with yfi like yep. go listen to our andre podcast came out mm -hmm. this week like get familiar with that and then yep. so they're distributing not to vcs and 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 you know, kind of investors and that sort of thing. They're distributed to liquidity providers. And then phase two is mm -hmm. they're trying to um, incentivize liquidity. liquidity. And by the way, incentivizing liquidity has been incredibly. Um, uh, it, it's worked really well for Ampleforth. Well. Right. Like they were, you know, number number two, something like that. Number one. On, number, number one. Number one. Okay. By a long shot. On Uniswap. On Uniswap, right. Okay. And, yeah. and so liquidity uh, incentivization does work and has seemed to work with Uniswap. Mm -hmm. So this is like the playbook almost, but with a different right. distribution. We right. need to find out where that other, like the 3.5 million, right? We've got 3.5 million tokens. This is 5 million. I'm wondering about where's that other 1.5? Yeah. Wait, so 2 million into the pools. Yeah. 250,000 yam per pool. Yeah. And so, you know, here, here's, here they are. Um, but yeah, so this is weird. So when you add up eight times 250, you get to, oh man, quick math, you get to 2 million. And then there's, but there's 350 million yams here. So there's some unaccounted for that hasn't popped up on Etherscan yet. And that's just a, a um, mechanism of a perspective specific contract and ERC 20 tokens that sometimes people don't include for whatever reason. Are um, they, are we sure they're not like doing anything else? They're not printing some for their, I don't know. Or, well, I so mean, th this is, this is according to this um, post, they're very specifically trying to make a non VC printed uh, token. Right. So they're trying what to, what are they saying? Where, do they say explicitly anywhere that the YAM team doesn't get anything and no one gets anything aside from these liquidity? Yeah. Events? I don't think there is a YAM team, right? There's just the people that made this thing. And I don't think they, they would call themselves the team. Right. And so yeah, a fair yeah. distribution mechanism that incentivizes key community members to actively take the reins of governance. Um, I guess that doesn't, you know, no one is saying in this post explicitly that um, aside from these, you know, liquidity nope. mechanisms, no one else is getting it. Well, it does say that. Yeah, Never mind. right here, right here. All right. Yep. Well, mm -hmm. the post says it. <laughs> Yam I'm is sure. being distributed in the spirit of YFI. No pre yeah. no founder shares, no VC interest. Simple, equal opportunity staking distribution to attract a broad and visioned aligned community to steward, to steward the future of the protocol and token. All right. So I'm assuming that's true. And assuming that is true, mm -hmm. um, I don't That's, know Brock, Trent, or Clinton, but I do know Dan and I do know Will, Will and I like those guys. So I'll leave it at that. So what's the, so if we were to kind of summarize the difference here, mm -hmm. um, the difference it seems to me, make sure I capture this, between Ampleforth and Yams, 
are obviously length of time alive, but um, like one is uh, yams has a reserve they set aside. Mm -hmm. Ampleforth has no reserve. So right. basically there's no underlying value besides the value of Ampleforths. Ampleforth is up. the reserve, right? Amps are the reserve, right? And mm -hmm. so this has a 10% or so it's going to set aside in some sort mm -hmm. of a, a treasury. Mm -hmm. And you would assume that the market would value, but like th that the price of yams would not drop below the value of that treasury. You know, you might make that assumption because it's sort of, it's a treasury that backs the value right. of yams, right? right? And then, so that's one difference. There's some base backing reserve, almost like central banks have, like, a, mm -hmm. you know, a reserve mm -hmm. of other assets like gold and that sort of thing. Um, and the second difference is governance, right? right. So huge difference. Uh, that's a huge, huge difference. difference. Okay. Huge difference. So gover governance is YAM token holders. They get to vote on what can be done with that treasury. Uh -huh. And they vote on other aspects of governing the protocol in a similar way of, of YFI. Whereas Ampleforth is a bit more governance minimizing, wouldn't you say? Right. Right. And I don't even think that it's uh, r right to compare these things because they're achieving totally separate goals. They have similar mechanisms, but they have totally different like success, uh, success scenarios. Right. And so like um, Yam is really a hybrid platypus between uh, Yiffy and Yearn and Ampleforth, right? But if they're not competitors. Like, not, I, I would maybe even say that Yam and Yiffy are more competitors than Yam and Wait, you think so? So, I, so it seems to me what Yam is trying to do is compete as a base uh, money, zero, and M0, just like Ampleforth. Whereas Yiffy is, is trying to, it's a capital asset, right? Very clearly. Yes, yes. I think that is an, uh, um, a decent- Because the value of Yam, there's no fees associated with it. What do you mean? Oh, did I, did you hear me what I said? So, um, yeah, so I think that, I think we were, um, we got like a little disconnected there for a second. Um, so I think that it seems to me that Ample is competing in the same way that Yams are as a M0 because like there's no underlying transaction fees. Like with Yiffy, mm -hmm. YFI, mm -hmm. there's Wifey. We keep saying Yiffy. Yeah, Wifey. That's, that's my bad. <laughs> um, so with Wifey, there is like the transaction fees from the protocol ultimately you know, it's kind of a cash flow. This has no cash flows. Aside from the reserve, it's right. set aside as that 10% reserve. But everything above that 10% reserve of the value of Y curve tokens, that's mm -hmm. all like monetary premium territory, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit of both. It, okay. it, it, it splits, it really actually does split Y earn, yearn, yiffy, wiffy, wifey, whatever. It really splits that and Ampleforth right down the middle. Uh, and constructs its own thing. So um, I, I think when you say that you think that YAM competes with Ampleforth, I think that that will be up to the YAM token holders as to how they perceive YAM's role in Ethereum. Because you know these four, these five, they're calling themselves the horticulturists, horticulturalists, uh, yeah. Brock, Trent, Clinton, Dan, Will, they, they are spinning up this system, but they don't own the system. Yeah. The whole idea is that day one, it's in the hands of the community. So it, yeah. the community will decide like what, what role does the YAM token fulfill in Ethereum? No one That's else. That's interesting. So, but it is a double-edged sword to add governance, right? Yes. So like with Ample, um, no amount of Ample, the token at least, mm -hmm. entitles you to govern, govern the Correct. system. Correct. Right? Yes. And people would say, look, it's still centralized because there's a central team. Absolutely. Understand, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You can change the code, that sort of thing. But with this, governance of token holders like they can vote like so yes um 51 of yam token holders could say we want to print all future supply of yam directly to like this specific set of addresses right, right? Mm -hmm. whereas in ampleforth there's no protocol mechanism for governance right. to nope. do that right nope exactly. that's a double-edged sword though because right. that could be bad for a base money system yep yep Base money system and governance are kind of like oil and water. But again, we will see what happens. The cool thing about this is um, the YFI distribution, I yes. think. Yes, yes. And, um, and this is also yield farming for beginners because all you do is like you probably, if you're listening to this, you probably have one of these assets, right? You probably have Aave or Link or Synthetics or Maker or Comp or YFI. You or at the very least, you have WETH. You have yeah. Wrapped Ether. Yeah, you have yeah, yeah, something yeah. here and all you have to do is you deposit it. That's, that's all you do. And this is the point 
where we say, um, don't deposit anything that you're not willing to lose. <laughs> yeah, right? So because let's the finish, let's yeah, there's no audits. No, no audits. No audits. Big okay. audits, none. While the initial creators of the YAM protocol have made reasonable efforts to attempt to ensure the security of the contracts, including forking much of the code base from existing well-audited projects and soliciting review from friends, nothing approaching the rigor of a formal audit has been conducted at this time. We strongly urge the, con the caution to anyone who chooses to engage with these contracts and think a proper professional audit would be highly advisable if the project gets any meaningful use. This was a 10-day project from start to launch. They started this 10 days ago. This is completely like right out the gate. So this is, this is your own risk. This is Andre's I test in prod. Yep. This is what's happened here. They're yep. testing in prod. Yep. This whole thing could get hacked in a, in a heartbeat in a second. Yep. In fact, as soon as it, as it receives some attention, you can bet there Somebody's are some try. smart people looking at how they can exploit the vulnerabilities of this thing. Right? So if you choose to do this, um, and we don't recommend that anyone, we're, this is not financial advice, we don't recommend anyone chooses to, to use these DeFi protocols, but this is like on the spectrum of risk, this is like like code red, super risky, you know, you could lose anything you put into this thing. Yeah, if you guys watched my settlement assurances and the protocol sync thesis talk at Ethereal, I talked about uh, the time value locked metric for evaluating DeFi protocols, right? So like MakerDAO has a really high time value locked. It's had a lot of value locked in its contracts for a lot of time. This has had $0 locked for zero seconds. It is literally yep. the worst time locked value score you could have. And the only- Plus way, unaudited. Plus, on, plus on audit, unaudited. So the only way that you get time value locked is more value flows into the contract. Um, so it's kind of like a, a, a chicken and egg debate. But and when it comes to Lindy, this has zero. Zero Lindy. Yeah, I don't know how much more we can say about how risky this is. It's yeah. just super freaking risky. I mean, I had, a, I had a tweet last week where I just, I feel like some people aren't appreciating the risks of DeFi, David. Like, it's just like, or they aren't appreciating that other people are talking about the risks of DeFi. This whole yeah. place, the whole DeFi bankless thing we talk about, like that should be wrapped in police caution tape. Like do not cross mm -hmm. unless, you know, look at a chunk of a building could fall on your head and wipe you out, right? Like this yep. is like dangerous stuff. DeFi is not safe. Mm -hmm. So keep that into context. Other things are safer than others, but like some things are safer than others. But if you're entering all of this stuff, none of it is risk-free. All of it's risky. You could lose everything. Mm -hmm. This is the most extreme, like one of the most extreme sorts of things that we see. It does not appear to be a scam, right? Um, does, like, not, does not appear to be a scam. These are some legitimate names, but that doesn't mean you know, that doesn't mean much in, in terms of uh, the risk. It means a little bit, I guess, but um, very risky. Anyway, anything else? Nothing for me. Nothing about yams. Yample. Dude. It's, it's Yample. called yams. We're calling it Yample. It's a Yample. <laughs> it's Yample now. Stacking yams. All right. Uh, what else should we talk about, my friend? Um, what Moving else on to, to DEXs, huh? DEXs. Okay. DEXs, DEXs are blowing up, right? In a good way. Yes, <laughs> in the way that we like. Like in a good way, right? It's finally hitting product market fit. I'm going to pull up um, a tweet from Hayden about okay. DEX volume. Well, you maybe intro us to, uh, <laughs> to what's happening in the DEX world because it's, um, it's getting really excited. Exciting. Yeah, so this, this is one of those metrics that really indicates that all of the action is happening inside of DeFi, right? And, and that epicenter right now is Uniswap. Um, and we know this because Unis for tokens, new, newly issued tokens are getting on list, listed on Uniswap first before any other exchange. Binance just listed YFI, Yiffy token uh, two day, yesterday, a full two weeks after its genesis. So like still pretty fast, but also two weeks behind Uniswap because Uniswap is permissionless. Like Uniswap didn't need to wait for Andre to whitelist it on Uniswap. That's not how it works. Uh, still yet to be on Coinbase. Uh, and so like the epicenter of this whole uh, boom that's going on in, in, is Uniswap, right? Like all the volume is on Uniswap. It's dwarfing centralized exchanges. Um, I don't know off the top of my head how much volume there is on a Coinbase exchange on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. But I bet you if we saw a comparison of various centralized exchanges, and then you, you would have Uniswap be up there in those numbers. Look um, at this seven day volume. Mm -hmm. If you extrapolate that. $34 right. billion dollars in volume 
mm-hmm. and uh, annualized. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's insane. I mean, that's a very large ex- exchange at this point. I mean, that is, that has got to be um, eking up to even, you know, the Krakens of the world, let's say mm-hmm. that tier of exchange. Yep. It's yeah. crazy. I'm trying to find a tweet real quick so I can send it to you, but uh, basically it is, uh, yeah, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this to you, uh, Ryan, in uh, Zoom uh, notes so you can uh, display this one. Uh, this one just came out today. Um, if Uniswap was an L1 blockchain, it would be third. Third in, fees. in what? In fees. I'm pulling it up. In, in fees. And, and this was actually a little bit late. I, there, were, there was an earlier uh, image that, uh, that showed like Uniswap was at like 0.7. Um, mil- Holy uh, crap. 0.7 million in one day fees and Bitcoin was at like uh, 0.9. And so like Uniswap is almost as big as Bitcoin in how many fees it's, it's the, the volume of what, fees. What fees are these? Are these gas fees? Uh, no, exchange fees, not, not gas fees, exchange fees, right? And so this is the 3.3% on every single Uniswap trade. That yep. is what this is talking about, right? Okay. So ju- just Uniswap is taking um, a comparable amount of fees as the entire Bitcoin blockchain. And we said taking, but the interesting thing about Uniswap is they are, these fees are going directly to liquidity providers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, it's not, it's not going to the Uniswap team. It's not going anywhere. It's going to a nebulous set of liquidity providers, whoever they are. This is uh, an incentive, uh, liquidity incentivization mechanism. Now, mm-hmm. something else that I've been you know, watching with Uniswap is just last week, they announced 11 million in funding, mm-hmm. which is interesting, right? And I right. wonder how that, like they, they've been a funded team before. Mm-hmm. They were obviously, um, you know, the, the story of Uniswap is uh, Hayden, who developed it, received a like $100,000 something grant from the Ethereum Foundation, built the whole thing. His first programming project launched it. And it, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty popular from day one. Um, but now they're starting to get funding, which leads me to wonder as to what they're actually going to do. Like is a token going to be next, right? Are they going to go the way of comp or balancer, which we've seen Mm -hmm. and create sort of a capital asset out of these fees and will a portion of this, that capital asset be like rewarded or awarded to VCs, which is interesting. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, while I talk about what I think about that, go ahead and go to that link that I just sent you because that, that okay. one's pretty fun too. Um, so for every fully govern, governance minimized, governance reduced protocol like Uniswap, for every uh, protocol that is t- entirely trustless, entirely like hands-off, there is also the governable hands-on version of that, right? So Balancer has both of these, right? The cool thing about Balancer is it launched with both of these at once, where you can have your own native Balancer uh, pool that doesn't answer to the Balancer token, or you uh, can. And right. so, and so Uniswap is the non-governance uh, application, and there's probably a version of Uniswap that can be governed that would then justify the Uniswap token. And so that is perhaps my idea as to what's going on. We but will see. That, yeah, graphic, we... that graphic is so cool. All so, right. This is, it's called this Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love so, on, all the, this is a, a graphic of all the um, uh, transactions going on over, over a specific period or, yes. or active addresses that, have, uh, that are really like heavy DeFi users, right? And these so are the all... users. And each of these, by the way, each of these users, some people think they're individuals. Mm-hmm. We've talked about before on Bankless State of the Nation, David, that it's not so much, don't think of that as one-to-one mapping of individuals. It's mm-hmm. one-to-one mapping to a bank account. An Ethereum right. address is like a bank account. Right. And a bank yep. account is a capital pool that can represent one individual or mm-hmm. many individuals. Could represent hundreds of thousands of individuals, right? Right. Anyway. Yeah. And, and this graphic just shows exactly how, where Uniswap is in relation to the rest of the DeFi ecosystem, which is at the epicenter, right? So there's all this economic activity between you know, Synthetics, Kyber, DDX, um, you know, Bancor, Augur, Compound Maker. But then there's Uniswap that is like basically connected to everything. So like whenever there's a transaction going on on Compound or Augur or something, there's, it's always seemingly one transaction away from Uniswap, right? So like yeah. no matter whatever people are doing, they're going through Uniswap to go through other protocols. And so Uniswap is just like this, this volume uh, Pac-Man that's just munching on all the liquidity in the space. Huh. In a Fascinating. good way. Right. What is, oh, okay. So all that red in the center, it, that's, um, 
usage accounts, ETH addresses that are shared by three or more protocols. So yeah. there's a whole bunch of accounts. Mm -hmm. It looks like that are just using Uniswap. Right. That's what that means if it's just um, on mm -hmm. its own. So right. if it's yellow, then it means um, it's being shared by one or more protocols. But all of this kind of uh, what pink color, Uniswap right. color, some people are just going into DeFi just to use Uniswap, it looks like. Yeah. Like one, one way to view this, all these pink dots, all these, uh, these are all Ethereum accounts that are just using Uniswap. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of them. There's more than, than, than there's ever been before. To me, this is uh, a bunch of new entrants into DeFi. Looks because like Uniswap is the easiest protocol to use. Uh, it's, the UI is, is super elegant. And it's the place where you go to buy all these DeFi tokens that are mooning. And so- yeah this massive array of, of pink dots that are people who are just using one protocol are the new entrances into DeFi. And eventually over time, I predict that they will migrate into being, becoming yellow and then also orange red dots, which are you know, turning into DeFi super users, right? They're using multiple protocols. But right now, yeah. Uniswap is like the first stop. And that's just why there's a, so many. Just a story, just you know, evidence of this empirically. I had a, a text from a friend a couple of weeks ago. He said, he's just a Coinbase user. And he's like, hey, I want to do some stuff with DeFi tokens. Mm -hmm. And he listed a few that he's interested in. And he's like, how do I do it? And I said, you can't get those in Coinbase, right? So we mm -hmm. traded a text message back and forth. And he was motivated because of the, the speculation uh, of DeFi tokens. Naturally. Uh, and he'd never been motivated before. But within 45 minutes, he you know, set up a MetaMask account had his first Uniswap transaction completed and was one of those pink dots, basically. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's difficult, but at this point in time, it's not that difficult. I mean, right. two or three years ago, yep. like none of these dots existed. There was maybe Maker. Right. There was Maker on this. Just yeah. Maker. Um, very far left. Is where very, very far left. Yeah, it's just Maker. And all of these dots are just, that's in the past, you know, mm -hmm. year and a half, two years, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Crazy stuff. David. Yep. Um, it looks like we are moving forward pretty fast, maybe at an accelerated pace. Mm -hmm. uh, should, we, should we wrap up with this? I think, that, I think that's it. That is the state of the nation. All right. State of the nation today. Action items, we will include a few in the show notes. One, of course, is to verify ETH supply yourself. We talked about that <laughs> at first. Uh, don't, don't trust what you read necessarily on, on Twitter. Um, dig a little deeper. I think bank lis listeners generally do. I will include some links to uh, yam and yam farming. Um, again, appreciate the risks before you do anything with that, but it is another fascinating monetary experiment. And lastly, we'll include some links to check out some of the, the DEX usage uh, in, in as well. So you can see how that is growing too. Um, guys, none of this was financial advice. ETH, Bitcoin, all the DeFi protocols we always discuss are very risky. You could lose what you put in. This has been Bankless State of the Nation episode nine. Thanks a lot.